0: hey doll hey doll i'm your host paula and i'm your host cynthia and we are dolls and doom okay paula today i'm going to tell you the story of a little girl whose legacy has helped change the lives of literally tens of thousands of people in the last 25 years now unfortunately her story had a tragic ending but out of this tragedy, a new system was put into place that would ultimately help save the lives of children all over our country. Today, I'm gonna tell you the story of Amber Hagerman and how her abduction led to the birth of the Amber Alert System. Amber Hagerman was a nine-year-old girl living in Arlington, Texas, which is about 20 miles west of downtown Dallas. Now Amber was an adorable little girl with deep, deep brown, if not almost like jet black hair. She had adorable little freckles and dark eyes. She was a Girl Scout and one of her very, very favorite things to do was to ride bikes around the neighborhood with her five-year-old little brother, Ricky. On January 13th, 1996, At about 310 in the afternoon, Amber and Ricky left their grandmother's house on their bicycles. Now this was a Saturday afternoon and Amber's mom, Donna had told the kids that they could ride their bikes, but that they could only ride them around the block. They had to stay in the neighborhood. So while Amber and Ricky were riding their bicycles, they remembered this really cool ramp that was in the parking lot of an empty Winn-Dixie. And this Winn-Dixie was about two tenths of a mile from Amber and Ricky's grandma's house. So according to WFTV, on their way to this really awesome bike riding spot, little five-year-old Ricky remembered that his mom had told them they had to stay in their neighborhood. So he turned around and he headed back towards the house. But Amber, kept riding towards the ramp. Only eight minutes after Amber left her grandmother's home on her bicycle, a seventy-eight-year-old man named Jimmy Kevill, who lived just down the street from the kids and right behind this grocery store, saw a man in a black pickup truck get out of his truck, grab Amber off of her bike, and then force her inside the cab of his truck. Holy crap, in broad daylight. Broad daylight. Oh and this poor man just had to watch right now jimmy said he could hear her scream and he was able to see her kicking and fighting with this man and so he knew it wasn't like someone she knew right it really alerted him to something is wrong and then he saw the driver of this truck leave the parking lot and head west on abram street with the little girl inside Now, Jimmy, again, was 78 years old, and his backyard had a chain-link fence that separated his yard from the grocery store parking lot where this happened. There really wasn't much that he could do physically, but he did call the police as quickly as he could. Yay, Jimmy. I know. Good for him. (laughs) Yes. He described the abductor as a white or Hispanic male in his 20s or 30s, just under six feet tall, of medium build with brown or black hair his vehicle was described as a 1980s or 1990s black pickup truck. It was a single cab pickup in good condition and was solid black with no chrome or striping. Police have said that the truck was believed to be an 80s or 90s full-sized fleet side pickup with a short wheelbase and a non-sliding clear rear window. A few minutes later, Ricky returns to his grandmother's house, but without Amber. And the only thing that her family knew was that the kids were headed to the parking lot when Ricky turned around and Amber decided to keep going. So they were obviously very worried because she was going further than she was supposed to. But at the same time, they also didn't know that anything was wrong. Immediately the family set out to go get Amber. So they head to this parking lot, but instead of finding her, They found her pink and white bicycle in the middle of the parking lot and a group of police officers who had already arrived in response to Jimmy's 911 call. Oh my gosh, that must have been so
1: scary for her family.
0: Just awful. Just awful. I I cannot even imagine. They arrive here already worried because she's somewhere she's not supposed to be. Right. And when they get there, they find out she's been taken. Right. Not just her bike, but there's already (sighs) police there. Just a nightmare just it makes me like not even it makes me feel like i can't breathe mm-hmm. when i begin to put myself in the position of these parents. Well, of course cuz you're a mother too. Oh, it's just like uh, this would be hell on earth for sure. Now, the good news is the majority of children reported missing in the US are found safe. But after finding her brand new bicycle that Amber had just received as a Christmas gift less than a month earlier, and because of Jimmy's eyewitness account of Amber being abducted, authorities knew that this was a situation where finding Amber alive and well may not be the outcome. So authorities questioned anyone they could find in the area, but there was this surprising lack of witnesses. There was this laundromat right next to the winn that was full, but detectives believed that these potential eyewitnesses may not have been willing to talk out of fear of deportation. You see at this time in this area it's believed that there was quite a large population of undocumented residents. So in the days after her abduction more than 50 police officers and federal agents searched for Amber and they worked together in an effort to bring Amber back home to her family. But tragically Five days after her abduction, a passerby found Amber's naked body in a drainage culvert in a creek bed. And this creek was behind an apartment complex approximately four miles from the parking lot where Amber had been kidnapped. Her throat had been cut. Oh my gosh. Nine years old. That's awful. So authorities believe that a thunderstorm had actually swept Amber's body into the creek just earlier that day because just hours prior to her being found maintenance workers from the apartment complex had been in the area and amber wasn't there amber's parents donna and richard were of course absolutely horrified to learn what happened to their little girl and oh paula this part really bothers me okay amber's father had such a hard time accepting the news of what happened to amber that even after he was notified of her death, even after the chaplain left his home, he continued to tell reporters that Amber was alive. Isn't that awful? That's so sad. Now authorities believe that Amber actually was kept alive for at least two days after her abduction. And this fact makes authorities wonder if perhaps there might have been more witnesses out there that may have seen something related to Amber's kidnapping or murder. There have been more than 7,000 leads in this case in the last 25 years since Amber's death. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. But not one of them has led to an arrest. The murderer has never been brought to justice, despite Arlington detectives continuing to receive occasional tips on this case even today. Now, shortly after Amber's funeral, a woman named Diane Simone, who lived in the area and was also a fellow mother, called into a local radio station with an idea. She thought, if the local media can send out weather alerts, why can't they do the same thing in the event of an abducted child? The National Weather Service alerts for severe weather interrupt all television and radio broadcasts. So why can't we do that in an effort to save kidnapped children? This woman is brilliant. So brilliant, right? Yes. And it's such a simple idea. It is. It's hard to believe that someone only came up with it like 25 years ago. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: You see, Simone was really disturbed by the fact that she felt a lack of information played a part in Amber's kidnapping and ultimate murder. She said, they're saying that Amber was taken at four o'clock in the afternoon. She was thrown in a pickup truck and driven somewhere and nobody saw anything. But I'm sorry, that's just not possible. The problem was not that people didn't see them, it's that they didn't know what they were seeing. And if you think about it, Paula, that's so true. Yes. Like you might see a black pickup truck driving down the road with a little girl in it. But if you don't know to be looking for a black pickup truck with a little girl, you wouldn't think twice about that. Right. And you're not going to pay attention. Right. So broadcasters in the Dallas-Fort Worth area agreed that something could be done with this concept. So they partnered with local law enforcement to alert viewers and listeners to child abductions. And since 1996, the Amber Alert System, named after Amber Hagerman, went nationwide. Experts believe that more than 1,000 children have been found safe thanks to the alert system. In addition to helping witnesses recognize a possible abductor or abducted child, it's also been proven that abductors are more likely to release children when they discover that authorities have issued an Amber Alert. So here's how the system works. Once law enforcement determines that a case meets certain criteria, authorities notify broadcasters and state transportation agencies. The alerts then interrupt programming. They appear on statewide transportation signs, on digital billboards, and as text messages on cell phones. Amber Hagerman's mother, Donna, said that the alert system named in memory of her daughter is bittersweet. She gave an interview in 2016 20 years after Amber's murder, and said, quote, there's another part of me that wonders what would have happened if we had had the alert when Amber went missing. Could it have helped bring her back to me? End quote. In January of this year, 2021, authorities in Texas expressed renewed hope that new DNA technologies could potentially help solve the cold case murder of Amber Hagerman. Apparently, the killer left some physical evidence. Really? On what? The bike? Here's the thing. Authorities won't release what kind of evidence they have, saying it's information that only Amber's killer would be aware of. But they have announced plans to submit this evidence from the case later this year and use cutting edge form of testing.
1: Wow. That would be amazing. I would love to see that happen. Oh my goodness.
0: It sounds like they're planning on doing it later this year. They're submitting it. That's amazing. In fact, the lead investigator on Amber's case, Detective Grant Gilden, said, quote, On a yearly basis, I talk with all the major laboratories around the country to see if there are any new technologies or anything we could possibly be trying with the evidence that we have, end quote. And that's how we learned that they finally have something that they can test. So the department has also created a new tip line specifically for Amber's case and anyone with information is urged to call 817-575-8823. The business Oak Farms Dairy is currently offering a $10,000 reward for information that leads to an arrest and an indictment. Police officials have said the department has no interest in the immigration status of any witnesses who have information about Amber's killer. Arlington Assistant Police Chief Kevin Colby said, quote, Our hope is that someone in the community saw something. Maybe they didn't come forward 25 years ago out of fear or not wanting to get involved. Whatever reason, we need folks to search their minds and bring forward anything that may be of value to our investigation, end quote. Now, Amber's mother has urged the killer to please turn yourself in throughout the years. She said, quote, I miss her every day and she was so full of life and I want to know why, why her? She was only a little girl. She said, Amber needs justice. Amber needs justice deeply. End quote.
1: So Cynthia, I know technically we're still in the middle of summer, But true Halloween fans know it's time to start
0: thinking about our favorite time of year. That's right, you're reading my mind. It is never too early to plan your Halloween costume. And this year, I'm going to be using McCabe's costumes. Yes, they're the best. They're a family owned company, which is amazing because I love to support other small businesses. Me too. And they have high quality costumes that ship right to your door. You know what else is great about
1: McCabe's costumes?
0: Not only do they have an amazing
1: costume selection, they also carry super fun leggings, which is perfect because a
0: lot of us are still working from home and we just want to feel comfortable, right? That's right. I love wearing cute leggings around the house or in the recording studio because not only am I super comfy, but I also really look cute. And McCabe's carries leggings with all kinds of super fun prints, I especially like the Hocus Pocus print, which has these adorable vintage style witches and pumpkins and ghosts all over them. That print totally has this Dolls in Doom retro vibe that you and I love. Yes, and the best part is you can do all of
1: your shopping online and have your costume or comfy festive clothing and accessories
0: delivered right to your door. Girl, you gotta love that. After this last year, I want everything delivered right to my front door.
1: I know, me too. And right now, McCabe's is running a special offer for Dolls in Doom listeners. Just use the code DOLLS10 for 10% off your purchase. McCabe's Costumes also offers free shipping on orders
0: over $35. Polly, you know what I love most about McCabe's Costumes? They actually give back to the community. They donate costumes to kids in need who would otherwise not have access to one. And if you, our listener, would like to participate in this awesome cause, you can make a donation directly on the website. Just hit the donate button right on the homepage and you can donate $30, which McCabe's costumes will then match. They match every single donation received. So with your $30 donation, two kids who would not have access to a costume will get one. And this year McCabe's also supported autism causes and their local Shriners Club. I love this so much. Not only are you buying something amazing for yourself, but
1: you are giving back. What other costume shop does that? Exactly.
0: So shop for your costumes or festive wear at McCabe's Costumes and feel good about making the world a happier place at the same time. Go right now and get your Halloween costume, festival wear, or comfy leggings at McCabe's Costumes com. That's M-C-C-A-B-E-S Costumes dot So as of right now, Amber Hagerman does not have justice, but I personally believe that she is honored every time we use the Amber Alert system. And because of her, as of April, 2021, at least 1,064 children have been saved. And authorities have said that there is quite possibly even more than that. I just think that's amazing. Like that is such a legacy And it is so far beyond what I could ever imagine leaving. Oh, absolutely. I agree. That's amazing. It really is. So in honor of Amber Hagerman, I want to share two of those stories with you. So the first is the story of the first child ever saved by the Amber Alert System. This was an eight-week-old Arlington infant named Ray Lee Bradbury. And in 1998, Ray was kidnapped by her babysitter. So an Amber Alert went out, and with the quick work of authorities, Ray was found only 90 minutes after the Alert went out. Wow, that's amazing. Amazing, right? That's great. Well, guess what, Paula? In 2017, little Ray turned 18 years old, and she started college at the University of Texas in Austin. So that was the very first child ever saved by the Amber Alert System. I love that story. Me too. So a second story that ultimately has a happy ending thanks to the Amber Alert System is the story of Zoe Brown. So it was a cold and rainy March 16th, 2018 night, and Danielle Brown had placed a to-go order at a Wings and Things restaurant But when she arrived with her 10-month-old daughter, Zoe, sleeping peacefully in the car seat, it was raining outside. So she's in that predicament that I found myself in hundreds of times, where you have to go in somewhere. It's raining. Your kid's in the back seat sleeping. What do you do? Well, she decided instead of disturbing the baby's sleep and getting her out in the cold... Danielle decided to just leave Zoe snuggled up and warm in her car seat while she popped inside real quick to pick up her order. Danielle left the car running so that Zoe would stay nice and warm, but when she came out of the restaurant just a couple of minutes later, she saw her car backing out of its parking space. <sighs> I know, your heart would just sink. Mm-hmm. So of course she starts screaming, stop, stop, stop at the stranger behind the wheel. And she even grabbed the passenger door, yanking it open and telling the stranger inside, my daughter's in the car. But this man who was wearing a red hoodie, slammed the door and took off. Danielle chased the car on foot for as long as she could before it disappeared down the dark road. So police immediately issued an Amber Alert with the car's description And it didn't take long for motorists all over Memphis to be on the lookout for a 2016 black Honda Civic four-door sedan. Now, obviously, we know that in child abduction cases, every minute and every hour is important. And those first hours are by far the most critical. So when the first hour went by without any sign of the car or, more importantly, Zoe... Memphis Police Director Michael Rawlings mobilized his entire police force. Even the off-duty officers came in and worked throughout the night, chasing leads all over the city. Meanwhile, as the hours ticked by, Danielle became more and more distraught, blaming herself for being a terrible mom, for leaving her infant in the car. She had assumed incorrectly that because she had taken her keys inside the restaurant with her, Zoe would be safe for a few minutes, but since she had left the car running, keys were not necessary to carjack the car. The next morning, a Saturday, Memphis retiree, George Nichols, who had served 32 years in the military, saw a story on the news about the Amber Alert, and he immediately became very concerned for this child, and he put the car's tag number into his contacts in his cell phone just in case... He might happen to spot the vehicle while he was out and about that day. You see, he was headed to his daughter's house later, and she actually lived pretty close to the restaurant where Zoe had been abducted from. So, as he was driving, every time George passed a Honda, he would check the tags. Nice. I know, right? I love it. (laughs) I love it. I do too. And then, all of a sudden, he saw it a car was parked at an odd angle on a residential street and the tag number matched the number he had punched into his phone. Now he kept checking it, you know, maybe he was seeing it wrong, but no, it was the tag number from the Amber Alert. He wasn't able to see inside the car, but he immediately called the police who told him to just sit and wait in his truck where he was. So police made this call a huge priority and they arrived very quickly And George watched as an officer reached into the Honda Civic and pulled Zoe out of her car seat. She was alive. Awesome. So later, George Nichols was declared a hero, but he wasn't having any of that. (laughs) He said it was God who put him here in the right place at the right time. Danielle went with Zoe to the hospital where she was taken as a precaution and the police director said the community cannot thank David Nichols enough for taking the Amber Alert seriously and for getting involved. He also said Zoe's case should serve as a cautionary tale to never leave a child unattended in a car. Donna Williams is extremely proud of this alert system that bears her daughter's name. She said, quote, it saved children's lives it's helped bring children back to mommy and daddy. It's another legacy for my daughter that she did not die in vain. She's still taking care of our little children just like she did when she was here." End quote. Police director Rawlings said the notification may be annoying to some, but Amber Alerts save lives. If you want to help save a life of an endangered child, then when you hear of an Amber Alert going out, you need to stop what you are doing and get involved every minute matters in a child abduction case if you hear or see an amber alert please pay attention immediately you might be able to help save a child's life
1: that's so true so true what a great story thank you for telling that story because i didn't know the original story i knew that it was named after a little girl named
0: amber but i didn't know the details of the case right and what a legacy yeah what a legacy and I had no idea that it had such a success rate. I didn't either. But that's amazing. So I did want to go back to last week's episode real quick. Okay. So listeners, if you haven't checked it out yet, please do. It's the story of Geneva Adams who went missing in 1976. And we covered this case because Geneva's great-granddaughter, Legesta is a Dolls and Doom listener. And she wrote into us and asked us to cover her great-grandmother's case. And holy cow, it's a crazy case. Yes, it is. So some major twists and turns in that. Okay, so today's Tuesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. And in the last four days since that episode came out, we've been watching this family share this episode all over social media. You know, we've been reading the comments that they're leaving on these posts. And what was already a deeply touching story for us has moved me even more. Last night, we got a message from another one of Geneva's family members, and we're seeing cousins and grandkids, nieces and nephews, all these members of this family, talking about how moving it was for them to have heard their loved one's story all put together in one place. One person said something along the lines of, i had been hearing bits and pieces of this story for my entire life, but I'd never heard it put all together in one setting. And when she finally heard it, it gave her chills. So as her storytellers, we want the Geneva Adams family to know that that means so much to us. Like I can tell you now, we were nervous. <laughs> we were really nervous. Like what if we got something wrong? Sometimes we find, you know, conflicting reports and that's all we have to work off of and we just have to do our best to try to narrow down which is, you know, accurate. So we were really happy to hear your feedback. And I'm bringing this up now because this family has waited more than 45 years to find out what happened to their loved one. And over the years, they have had a couple of false starts when it came to you know, getting some answers. And again, check out that episode if you haven't heard it because your mind will be blown when you hear what this family has gone through. But I really think if we keep sharing this woman's story, if we keep it in front of people, we might be able to get it in front of the right person, the person who knows something. I feel like this family and the authorities working on the case have gotten really, really close to at least getting a few of their questions answered. I feel like they're so close, but there's still work to be done. I mentioned last week that every case feels personal, but when we're having these exchanges with the family members, When we read the comments about how this loss has affected them for literally their entire lives, when we're reading about their pain, we can't help but to become invested. And if there's anything we can do here at Dolls and Doom to help this family find some closure, we're there. And that's where you, our listeners, come in. Listen to this woman's case. Share her story. Someone knows something. And for all of you who have helped to keep this woman's story alive, thank you. Thank you so much. We've been saying all along, we started this podcast, you know, it's not just a form of entertainment. I mean, yes, we all love a good mystery. We grew up watching unsolved mysteries. We love a mystery. We love to hear when a case has been solved. We love that. But we can't ever forget that these are real people. These are real people's lives, real people's stories so please please help us help geneva adams family find some answers absolutely so that's what i got for you this week wow <laughs> i'm just so invested in that case now like i'm invested i'm right. there absolutely yeah so paula do you have something for our time to kill segment yes i do as a matter of fact okay So I found this story in a magazine
1: and my boyfriend thought it would be a good one to share. The Pomona Monrovia was a freighter ship that would pick up and deliver scrap iron. It was originally built in 1943 as a Liberty ship and was registered in Liberia. It had crew members from Norway with a mixed crew of Norwegians, Finns, Spaniards and West Indians. To say they didn't get along is a huge understatement. They fought pretty much since day one. One Finnish crew member was seen screaming, running up and down the corridors. He was eventually caught, subdued, and sent ashore at the next port. While crossing the Pacific, they lost another sailor due to insanity. But the trouble did not leave the ship. Some say the direct cause of all of the trouble on board was the captain himself. Captain Jacob Natvig, 51, had sailed for 30 years, and this year-long contract was to be his last cruise before retirement. The captain was a heavy drinker, and one crew member said, quote, he was a good guy, he was always drunk. We didn't see him much when we were at sea, end quote. Many of the crew drank most of the time, and fights were frequent and intense. After the ship stopped in Spain, the Pomona made several stops in the Caribbean, and one of these stops, a drunken sailor jumped overboard. He was recovered but jumped again in Guadalupe. When docked, the crew stole from the cargo. At another one of the Caribbean ports, they acquired two stowaways who rode without incident to Baltimore. Cleaning was the job of the chief steward, however, he was too drunk to remember to do it, nor did he delegate the task to someone else, so the ship was filthy. It is mandatory for ships to do fire drills, and it's said that the captain never did a single drill. One night on the bridge, the helmsman and the third mate were arguing and one of them pulled out a knife and said, quote, "'Try anything with me and you are going to get a nice scar on your face,' end quote." But Captain Natvig did not punish them, which sent a clear message of no consequences. The ship was just a week out from the California coast headed to Formosa. It had been a couple days since first mate Alf Olsen had seen Captain Natvig, which wasn't that unheard of, You see, the captain liked his whiskey and hanging out alone in his cabin. But still, Olsen wanted to check in, so he knocked on the captain's door. You know in how the movie Titanic, when you first go into Rose's room, there's a sitting room, which kind of looks like a, a mini living room, and then you go through another door and that's the bedroom? Yeah. Well, that's what we have here. He found the door unlocked, so he walked into the sitting room, and instantly he knew something was wrong. There were papers everywhere. And a chair had been knocked over, Olsen heads toward the bedroom, but when he opens the door, he's met with a gruesome sight. There, on his bed, lie Captain Natvig with a huge gash on his face under his right ear. Blood covered the walls and even the porthole with the light coming in, so it was casting an eerie pink glow on the whole room. Ew, gross, yeah, right. A large axe was lying on the bed also an axe that normally hangs on the wall outside Olson sprang into action he left the cabin locking the door behind him and ordered the ship to dock in the nearest port which was honolulu then he went to talk to chief steward anchor bardston olsen knew bardston had been in the captain's quarters the night before bardston said that he left the captain's room at a quarter past midnight and at that time the captain was drunk but fine bardston wanted to know why he was being questioned when Olsen told him that Captain was dead, Bardson seemed genuinely surprised. Olson told Bardston to remain in his cabin while he spoke to Chief Engineer Svensson, because he had also been drinking that night with Bardson. Svensson said that Bardston did not join him until around 3 a.m. Even though there was a good three hours that Bardson was unaccounted for, Olsen locks him up not because he thought he was guilty, but only because he might have been the last person to see the captain alive. This did not alarm the crew. They figured he had gone mad like other crew members. What did alarm them was the fact that there was a murderer on board and they still had three days till they reached Honolulu. They all had individual cabins, but paired up for safety, which sounds good as long as you're not paired up with a murderer. (laughs) Right, I feel
0: more (laughs) comfortable alone, I think. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, sounds like a good idea, unless... This is a nightmare. You're trapped on a dirty boat yes. with a bunch of drunkards. Yes. Someone's a murderer, an literally an axe murderer. Right. And now you have to share a room. Right. Ooh. And you know it's going to be at least three days till you get to get off the ship. Yeah, this is awful. Yeah,
1: no thank you. <laughs> so on land, a weird legal battle was going on. Because the murder happened at sea, it was not in the jurisdiction of the United States. Honolulu made a courtesy investigation, but legally they couldn't do anything. The ship was registered Liberian but trial in West Africa seemed impossible. Eventually Norway said that since Bardston and most of the ship's crew were Norwegian they would send detectives from Oslo on the second day in port Bardston broke his plate and cut himself on his left wrist saying quote "I didn't do it everyone's against me and quote." However, most of the crew actually didn't think he was guilty, including Olsen. They didn't believe he'd be able to swing an ax while drunk and not hit the ceiling on the upswing, and there's nothing on the captain's ceiling. While recovering in a hospital, Bardston agreed to go with the detectives to Oslo, but it was unclear if he was charged with anything. Meanwhile, crew members wanted to go home, but the company they worked for wanted to hold them to their year long contract forcing them to continue sailing together. At that time, there were still no suspects, no fingerprints on the ax, and no clues in the cabin. Pomona, Monrovia brought to shore a tale of drunkenness, violence, and terror. The ship was named the Hell Ship by Honolulu Waterfront. Every man on board is afraid that the man who killed the captain will kill again. So what happened? I don't know. The magazine was from 1964. I couldn't really find anything online. All I did find was that the ship caught fire while docked in Honolulu. The Coast Guard reported smoke from behind the wheelhouse. Everyone was accounted for with no injuries. As far as the murder of Captain Jacob Natvig, it was never solved.
0: Wow. (laughs) So did they have to continue with the year-long cruise, or did the fire cause them to be able to cancel that? Or do you know? I, I don't know. Ooh. That's literally all it said, that everyone was <laughs> fine. Oh, can you imagine having to go on a cruise, finish, like, out of contact for a year, not knowing, like, which one of the people on the ship with you killed your captain? No.
1: Ooh. No, I
0: cannot. And I'm not even sure how, long, how far into the contract
1: they were. Right. Like, if it was just, like, another month or two. All I can kind of deal with it, but if if you've got, like, 11 months left. Yeah, that's Oh, my God, I think I'd be jumping ship.
0: Yeah, me too. Ooh, scary story. Yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, if anybody knows what happened, if you were one of the people, one of the crew members, (laughs) if you were the murderer on the ship, please contact us at Dolls and Doom. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Good story, Paula. Thanks. Well, hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you haven't checked out our social media, go ahead and do that. We've got a fun trailer up. Yeah, we're looking into some fun new merch, so keep an eye out for that. I'm super excited. We got one really cool merch thing that I just cannot wait for. So, Thanks so much for listening. Like us, follow us, leave us a rating. Man, if you leave us a rating, that is, like, super huge. That really does so much. So if you like us at all, if you want to support us in any way, leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. That just means so much. Yes. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your case suggestions. For those of you who already have, we are working on them. We hope to bring you a new story every Friday. That's right. I guess we'll catch you next week. All right. Bye.
1: Bye.